But there's, a, there's, there's something that God is doing in the church right now where he's placing people. He's igniting not only the gifts in people, but he's calling people. No one can call you into your gift. Only God can call you into your gift. Your gift and your calling can be recognized, but only God can call you. And that's happening in the church today. There's something that God is doing that he's awakening. You call it revival. You call it an awakening. It doesn't matter. There's something that's taking place in the church today where we're stepping up and saying, okay, Jesus, let's go to the other side. Where's your territory? What is your territory? There is something in your life that he has identified as your territory. And I'm telling you that he is wanting to not only to show you your territory, but he has already said, let's go to the other side. What is your territory? It doesn't, listen, it doesn't have to be ministry as what you think. We have this idea that there's a difference between secular, secular and sacred. There is no difference. If what you do is not sacred, then we will pray for you and get you born again today. And when you leave, then everything that you do will be sacred. That's like business people who say it's nothing personal. It's just business. It's all personal, fool. Everything we do is personal. It is. Everything we do is sacred in the eyes because our, our source is not from man. It is from God. Our work is not unto man, but it is unto God. I don't do this because I'm waiting for you to affirm me. I do this because God has told me to do this. I don't work for you. I work for him. I can either be a slave to God and serve you or I can be a slave to you and try to serve God, but I can't do both. And what angers, especially religious ministry people, can I say like that? Ministry pastors that I've talked to, especially certain denominational ones, when I, I've had them say I'm a slave to people. No, you're not. God never said slave to people. He said serve people. The, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. But we are to be slaves of God. And when I say slaves, I don't mean that we have to. No, 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 no. We choose to put ourselves and we say, Father, I'm overwhelmed by you. My hand, my life is in your hands. What would you have me to do? And at this stage... There's, there is a transformation taking place in the body of Christ all over the world. There was a movement years ago in the late 60s, early 70s called the Jesus Movement. Y'all familiar with that? The Jesus Movement. They said you could almost just whistle Dixie and people would just get born again. There was something powerful at that time. And what happened is we began to move in the things of the Spirit like never before. And then the charismatic reformation came and we begin to move by the things of the spirit and what happened is the enemy couldn't stop it he couldn't help it he couldn't stop it so what did he try to do he tried to join it and he came in and he said listen Jesus is coming back anyway there ain't no need to go out there because they just gonna beat you up why don't we just stay in here and have some good services and Holy Ghost meetings and let's just pray that God would deliver us from the big bad devil and we take us home and the Lord said, that's selfish. We have, we have grown up in a mentality where we think we're the, we're the oddballs. 
We think we're, we're the minority. But with God, how are we the minority? If God, who created all things and is in all things, and we are his representatives, how are we the minority? How is it that we walk amongst people and we allow the kingdom of darkness to take control and to have influence in the world around us and we say nothing about it and we have said nothing about it? Why? Because we've been deceived, we've been lied. And God is doing something in the church today that he is awakening in us the need and the power and the passion to step outside like never before. I love this. I do. I, I value this. Why can't we have this and that? There's no either or. It's all of it. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves even more as you see the day approaching. Why? Because we need this. Listen, we need each other. We don't need to come to church less. We don't need to come to meetings less and gatherings less. We need to be the church more. We don't need to come to church more. We need to be the church more and come to the meetings together because we see the value in them. If you don't, I'm just going to be honest with you, if you don't see the value in this, then you won't come. When we've all lost an hour of sleep this morning, and I wake up and I go, is it really 7 o'clock? It feels like it's 6 o'clock. That's because your body is telling you that it does. It is. But if we don't see the value, if we don't understand the value, if we don't understand what God has done for us, then we'll never step out and do it. Movements come from the bottom. Culture comes from the top. Great moves of God that start like what God has been doing here in the last couple of years, this is where, this is where it, it matters. But if this never takes place, and never steps outside of this place, this arena, if it never steps out of the confines of your normal everyday, and the reason why it doesn't is because we still hold certain truths that are wrong. We think that we can only do church here. We can't do church there. We think that we can only inhabit the praises of his people when we're in together, and he inhabits the praises of his people when we gather. He inhabits me. I'm his people, are you his people? Then his presence we take with us. And so what God is doing is he's stirring something up to where when we leave, when we go, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, we carry with us a tangible presence that will manifest itself if we will access it. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. And I know some of what I've said, I've said before, but listen to me. I'm saying it because what is your territory? What has God said for you to go and do? Because I can assure you that the enemy is going to come against you. Back up to chapter 4. And listen to this. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the winds, the waves beat on the boat so that it was already filling up. There are times in your life when you are trying to access and step towards everything that God has called you to do, and it looks like you're going to sink. How many times have we been there? How many times have we been there 
as a church? How many times have you been there as a family? How many times have you been there individually? You don't know why, but you, it looks like you say in the name of Jesus I'm healed, and you go to the doctor and he says what? You're worse. You stand up and you say in the name of Jesus all my needs are met. And you get another bill instead of another check. If we're only going to look at external situations to determine whether or not we are embarking and on the right path and going to the destination and the territory that God's called us, then guess what? We're going to sink. And I'm convinced that if the boat had sunk, it would still have made it to its destination wet. Because he said, what has he said in your life? Can I remind you just maybe a couple of things? He said, greater. He said, um, believers, when you go out there, there's some things that's going to happen when you go out there. And one of the things that's going to happen when you go out there is that you're going to touch people and they're going to what? They're going to be healed. That was the Lawrence Thomas version. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For what reason? To preach the gospel. Where did the preaching of the gospel go? Where has the declaration of the freedom in that realm out there? I can't go on. He knows that if you go out there, he can't stop you. He can't. No revival. Listen to this. I've not seen one revival that has ever increased into the second generation. I said that last week. I've only seen it decrease. I've never seen it increase. But I reject that about the nature of God because the nature of God is to go from glory to glory. We shouldn't go from this place to that place to that place unless those are steps taking us to the next step. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about selling what you got because everything you got is in hock. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you're in debt up to your eyeballs. That's, that's not reality. Reality is the bank or everything else owns that. I'm not talking about acting like you're married and you're really not. I'm not talking about acting like you're in a relationship with God and you're really not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you love God, do you love God? Can I get a witness? If you love God and you see God and you experience God, you shouldn't go backwards. You should be advancing glory, 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 glory. We shouldn't go backwards. We should go forwards. He said of the kingdom of the kingdom of God, there will be no decrease. It will only increase. He said the gates of hell will not prevail. Then why does it feel like it's prevailing? Because we function. We operate in a system that's been broken. That's been full of 
full of comfort. There should be great comfort in us being uncomfortable. There should be something in us that cries out for more. I want more. I'm not sad. I don't mean discontentment. I'm talking about, Lord, I'm thankful for. Look, I'll just go on and show you. Lord, I'm thankful. I mean, I got a cracked out phone, literally. I'm thankful. I mean, don't get me wrong. My daughter has a newer phone than I do. I'm not talking about that you're not content. I'm content, but if you think I'm content and I'm going to stay right there with that thing for the rest of my life, you are sadly mistaken. I'm content. I'm thankful for where we're at. But there's something inside of us that says we got to go to the other side. We got to go because he done told us to go. He said go into all the world. We've got to go. What has he told you in your life? Go. Don't, don't let anything stop you. Go. Listen to this. But when he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, you only have, I can't say it like that, but I'm going to say it like this. You only have authority over the storms that you can sleep in. The reality is we've got authority because Jesus said all authority has been given. Now you go in my name. But in, in actual practical authority. In other words, the disciples said, Lord, we did everything you told us to do, but we couldn't get it out. How did you get it out? And he says, because you didn't access it. The authority was there, but they didn't access it. You and I can access it. We can have it, but not access it. You only can exercise the authority that you know you have authority over. And if you don't know you have authority over it, then you'll never go to sleep. You'll always be coming and saying, Jesus, 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 pastor, 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 first lady, pastor's wife, whatever you want to call her, April, help me, help me, I'm brother Langston, brother Bill, brother Moore, whatever it is, help me, help me, help me. But the moment you realize that all authority and that it doesn't matter what the storm, it doesn't matter what it says, and I know this takes faith, and I know it doesn't look like it, and I know it doesn't feel like it. But the moment that you realize that he said, let's go, and you step out and you go, then be at rest. Where's Laurel? Is she out there? She's with the children. She had, um, she said this morning when they were praying, she saw something. She saw, I can't articulate it the best way she can, she saw that when Saul that when Saul went ahead and gave went ahead and gave the offering instead of waiting on Samuel. Did I get that right? Instead of waiting on Samuel, that he rushed it because he felt like he had to. He felt like he needed to. He felt like instead of being led by peace, he was led by the wind and the waves and the storms. And Samuel showed up and said, Because you did this, I'm gonna find another king, and his name is David who's a man after my own heart. And I said, well, what's the story? What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story was, she said to me, she said that we don't need to get in, we don't need to let the distractions and the wind and the waves and everything dictate to us what we do. We should only let what Jesus said dictate what we do. 
And I said, you don't even know what I'm going to talk about today. If you can't stand up in peace and say, hush, then you don't need to say anything. Because any other position that you stand up and articulate something from is something other than faith because faith is always at rest. Always. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's not going to be popular. I'm not saying that it isn't going to be popular. But what I'm saying is when Jesus was at rest, he was asleep, and they woke him up. Listen to me. Sometimes the people in your life need you to tell the storms in their life to shut up. That's the kingdom of God. Because they all marveled and said, who is this man that is with us and they greatly feared and Jesus was demonstrating to them this is what he said to them where is your faith in other words I didn't have why did you disturb my sleep sometimes your life is going to be disturbed for the sake of someone else sometimes But Jesus had somewhere to go. He knew there was a territory that needed him. And here's the thing. The territory isn't always in full, plain view. You don't always have the big picture. You don't always know exactly every detail, every situation. But you know in your heart of hearts that God has said, go in this direction. Are you, are you with me? You know. You don't understand it. You can't say what you can't necessarily see the demonic person that you're fixing to get off the boat and set foot on the territory and that demonic person runs up to Jesus and says, help me. You don't necessarily see that person. We can't say that he did see it no more than we can say that Jesus knew that the woman at the well was going to be the woman that he was going to talk to and he was going to say this and that. He was tired and thirsty and he didn't allow religion, he didn't allow the wind and the waves or anything else to dictate to him what he was going to do. You can't say that he knew it. You can't say that he didn't, but you can't say that he did. All we can say is what this says. And what it says was, when he got off the boat, the man came up to him. Pay attention to people who won't leave you alone. I'm not saying you got to cast the devil out of every one of them. But pay attention to the people that chase you down. Pay attention to the people that won't leave you alone. He said, help me. Please, and he, listen, <clears throat> he cried out, what have I to do with you, Jesus? I implore you that you, he said, that you do not torment me anymore. People that come into your life, their theology is not going to be correct. And they'll say, I don't know why God did this to me. Jesus didn't correct his theology. He got rid of the one that was twisting his theology. There are people in our territory. Listen, the city of Tifton is our territory. We should not be so easily swayed when the wind and the waves and, and things try to come against us to go against the territory. I got a few more minutes. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on the subject, but I'm going to switch gears just for a minute because I want to get to this point, and I don't want to run out of time, and I want to get to this point. But there's two dynamics. Listen to me. Two dynamics to the supernatural kingdom apostolic lifestyle. There's two dynamics. I know I'm throwing some words out there. Just listen to me. There's two aspects to supernatural ministry. Supernatural ministry this cord, I'm going to tell you what. Supernatural ministry is not just laying hands on somebody and seeing an immediate result in their physical body. That's not the only part of supernatural. Supernatural is seeing someone, I'll use somebody, seeing her delivered from the bondage of generations of generations of generations of bigotry and racism in her life. That's just as much supernatural. Supernatural is seeing someone who's a business owner and the world has fastened upon this woman. You have to do it this way. Supernatural ministry is her seeing that I don't have to do it their way. I can do it God's way and seeing an increase in her business as a result of the supernatural. Don't just think of supernatural as immediate. Well, if I don't lay hands on somebody and see their leg grow out immediately or see them healed or see, you know, somebody raised from the dead, that's not super. No, it's super. And I'm going to say this. You weigh it. But perhaps the block in the physical is nothing to do with supernatural physically. It has to do with supernatural mentally, supernatural spiritually. Maybe the manifestations sometimes and the results we're looking for aren't going to come from a, from a system that's been broken. It's going to come when you and I step out and understand that we carry with us supernatural ability. Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to try to land it because I want to get to this part. Matthew chapter 13 is a number of parables that Jesus talked about, and guess what, related them to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is likened unto this. The kingdom of God is likened unto this. Matthew chapter 13 is one of my favorite because it's the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word. Four types of ground. There's basically four types of people in the world. There's a mixture, there's overlap, but there's basically four types of people in the world. But it's also a progress. It's not just four types of people. It's also four types of stages of development. It's also four types of attack. The minute you walk out of this door, if this is the first time you've ever heard about kingdom, if this is the first time you've ever heard about supernatural ministry, the minute you get in your car and drive off this property, the enemy's going to try to come and steal the word from you. I promise you that. The, because the word tells us that. The wind, the waves, the storm, everything. You can do it. The minute you get in your car, somebody's going to tell you what? You can't do it. But in Matthew chapter 13... There's a, there's a, there's a, there is a 
uh, there is a section in ch- beginning in verse 31, and he says this, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. The kingdom of God, supernatural ministry, has two faces to it. Number one is the immediate, the grand, the super extravagant, natural, you plant a seed in the ground and boom this big, huge tree, and birds come, and they land, and they just, I mean, they just waller in. You come to services, and we pray, and the Holy Ghost is here, and everybody's running around. I mean, you just see delivered. I've been in those all my life. And it's funny, because some of the people that I was in those services with all my life are some of the people that are worse off in their life than people on the street, because that's not all There is to the kingdom of God. It is a part of it. We should expect that when we lay hands on somebody, they should be healed. We we can expect for immediate results sometimes. We can expect for God to show up. But there's another aspect of the kingdom of God that we sometimes leave out. And I feel, I know it is my mandate to help us see there's two sides to every coin. When I pray for people, We prayed for a lady the other day. When I pray for people, I expect there to be change. When I pray and I say, Lord, I'm asking you to do this for Langston, I'm expecting for him to do it for Langston. There there are certain aspects of prayer. There are certain aspects of things that I pray for, that we pray for, that when we pray, we expect God to do them. But I don't discount the other side of the coin, and it's not just the mustard seed. The mustard seed is, is the smallest. It is the, it is the one that seems insignificant. Whatever person in this room you feel today, you feel you are the most insignificant. I would call to your remembrance the man who delivered the children of Israel out of bondage was a man who stuttered was a man who was shy, was a man who was beat down. He was ashamed because he had killed somebody. He was full of shame. He was full of discouragement. He was full of bitterness. He was full of anger. And God used that man to deliver millions. I call to your remembrance. The man that got himself into pride, he was given great strength. And he gave it over to a woman. A woman. A Jezebel woman, a woman who wasn't after him, who was after his gift. Pay attention to the people who were only after your gift. And even after that, with his hands and everything stripped away, he raised his heart, turned his heart towards the God and said, God, if you give me strength. And as a result of that man repenting, coming to his right frame of mind, he killed an entire people. It's the most insignificant seed that gets doubted the most but produces the biggest harvest. The mustard seed. Jesus said, if you have faith, eeny, meeny. We think, think, man, I got some great faith. You don't need great faith. You just need a seed. 
And he said, and you can say to this mountain, pay attention to the things that seem insignificant to your life. You remember last week? Don't discard mundane encounters because you miss extraordinary events. The encounter with the woman at the well was a mundane encounter. It was a no-no. You shouldn't do it. She's a woman. She's a Samaritan. You shouldn't talk to her. And Jesus did. And as a result, an entire city went on revival for two days. And Jesus extended his, 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 uh, Jesus extended his evangelistic crusade for two more days. Told the people at Jerusalem, y'all going to have to wait. I got some business I got to take care of here for two days. As a result of a woman... As a result of a minority, as a result of one that the system had downcast and said, you're not worth it, you're worthless. Homeless people, lesbians, fornicators, some of the greatest people in the Bible were some of the sinfulest, dirtiest people. Jesus came from a harlot. Why? Because Jesus said, my bloodline comes from the one that created all bloodlines. The redemption of Jesus is not just good enough for you. It's also for good enough, more than enough, for the one that you think it's not good for. If there be any doubt. The mustard seed. Don't doubt the little things. Don't doubt when your body hurts or when something happens, you look at that thing and say, No. Don't doubt that. That's insignificant in your mind. But Jesus goes, hey, the kingdom of heaven wakes up. When you look at that thing and you say no. And you're not saying it out of frustration. You're not saying it out of anger. You're saying it from a place where Jesus said you could have it. And you bless God. You believe it. And you say no. All of heaven wakes up when we do that. That's one aspect. But the other aspect is the leaven. The yeast. What does yeast do? Why do we put yeast in dough? To make it rise. Is it an immediate thing? Is it a spectacular thing? No. I make homemade buttermilk biscuits from a recipe my daddy gave me. And he said to me last time, I said, I can't get it right. He said, listen, when you, when you make your dough, he said, and you put your flour on it, you take it out of the bowl and you get it, and you get it all set. He said, leave it on the table for about 20 or 30 minutes. Why? Because that yeast will make it rise. The kingdom of God is also yeast. Jesus said it's like yeast. I love the encounters that we have with God together. I do. I love those Holy Ghost meetings I went to, Mama Cleveland, when I was growing up. I love those. I love running around. I love ministering to people. I love laying hands on people and seeing things by the Spirit and speaking that in their life and watching their face change because you know you're declaring something over their life and confirming something. I love it when somebody lays hands on me and gives me an encouraging word, and I know that the only way they know that is either they've been talking to her or they've been talking to God. I love that. I love falling out. I love running. I love the chill, but I love all that. And it's great, and we need that. Don't discard that. But that is for a purpose. And the purpose is so that when we leave this place energized, 
And we leave one another's uh, company energized. We go into the place of the marketplace or to the business or to education and we sprinkle that yeast. Because it's not immediate. Sprinkle here. Sprinkle there. What is a, what is a, uh, what did he say? He said this. He said, he said, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. One other account says that she needs it. See, what is needing it? You're massaging. Your responsibility in the kingdom of God is to be the yeast that God needs. We go out there and we, now listen to me. I've never seen it before. I read it last night and i never seen it. I got so excited. There is nothing in the Bible that is insignificant. Do you agree? Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, right? And the, the Bible talks about the gates. Every society has gates. Pillars of influence, I've heard people say. But there's really only three categories that people play a role in. There's only three things that you do. You're either a part of the education system, you're part of the political system, or you're part of the marketplace system. Even if you're jobless, you're still a part of the marketplace system. Three areas of influence. Can you and I get anything done in this economy, in this world, in this system, unless we impact all three of those systems? And I looked it up and looked it up and looked it up and looked it up. Three measures of meat. Three. That's not insignificant, guys. Spirit, soul, and body. Government, education, and the marketplace. The Spirit of God is saying to us, the supernatural ministry is about the seed. It's about seeing the spectacular. But it is also about taking that and taking a long look and saying, I've got to get things ready and have a perspective that if Jesus tarries his coming, I'm leaving for her, the second generation, a greater level of revival than what I found when I came. Our forefathers, some of the men in my, in my, some of my fathers in the faith, they tell me, they look at me and they say, I could have done it differently. And if I would, if I could, if I could go back, I would. You don't think that I'm going to take count of that? And they say, please don't turn loose. Please don't let go. Please keep running. Don't turn loose of the fire. I mean, Papa, Granny, you gave me, you gave me in April a word that you wrote down four years ago. And you said the same exact thing. You said, don't turn loose of the vision. Don't let it go. Don't let nobody try to talk you. Don't, because why? Because we need to run with the race that God has set before us. And, but we got to have a gentle, listen, it is selfish of me if I only think of what God's going to do through me. I got to think what God's going to do through her. That's my legacy, our legacy. And the men before us, I assure you, want and wanted to leave for us. God is doing something. He's doing something that he's been doing all along. And I believe that the church is waking up. Come on, stand to your feet. I believe that he is. I believe that we are awakening. We are being revived.
whatever word you want to use, where the light switch is coming on. And if it seems like, I know there are times where I seem like I am just coming, like I am just preaching, like you just like, what is he talking about? I know sometimes it seems like that. But because I want you to understand that I'm looking at the empty chairs. I'm looking at the chairs back there. I'm looking at the, and I'm saying, calling forth. I'm trying to call forth out of you. I'm endeavoring to declare to you, let's go to the other side. I know it's been hard, and I know it's been challenging, and I know that every wind and every wave and every storm has tried to come against us, and I know that God has set a place for you and your territory, and I'm telling you, don't turn loose of it. Don't give up on it. Don't let the enemy steal it from you. It doesn't matter what the wind says. It doesn't matter what, I don't care if your boat fills up with water. There is something that we say, God, I refuse to let go of what you have put in my heart. And I won't turn it loose. What's important is not to just encounter God, but then to experience the freedom that comes from encountering God. The kingdom of God is about being that expression. The, the One Love City Church is about us being that expression of love to people for what purpose? So that they can encounter God, number one. We want people to encounter God. I don't want you to encounter me. I want you to encounter God because me in and of myself is nothing compared to the God that is in me. That means I have to see God in me first. I have to see God in you second. And I have to believe that when people walk, when people come into contact in our, into our home, we want people to encounter God. We want them to leave and go, oh my gosh, what did I just experience? I want that for your life. And you have that in your life. People encounter God in your life. But is that all? No. Why do we encounter God? So that we can get people free from the bondages that have been around their life all their life, right? We grow up with things that are shackled upon us because of our birth, because of our culture, because of our religion. If we were in a wrong religion to begin with, religion always trying to fasten something on you. Jesus is always getting something off of us. But then what? We got a room full of people that encounter God and have experienced freedom. But that still doesn't do anything. The kingdom of God then is what? It's about the mustard seed. It's about the leaven. It's about us embracing our gift and our calling. What is, don't, your gift gives you the ability, but your call gives you the authority. Man, that was, I got to write that down. Your gift gives you the ability, but God's call on your life gives you the mandate. It gives you the authority to walk in that. When you embrace what God has called you to do, oh, Satan and the kingdom of darkness better watch out. Because then the very next, see, that's not it. You can't just stop there. You've seen some things. You've heard some things. You've experienced some things. You've got freedom. You've experienced something. You've seen things in your life. You've seen things. You've experienced it in your life. I mean, my God, you're a testimony to what God can do to a man that's homeless. 
everybody. Yes. This, this couple, Granny and Papa, we call them Granny and Papa because it's terms of endearment. They're Granny and Papa. What God has done in their marriage and their family and their extended family, you would think that her children is his children and his children is her children. See, you wouldn't know that because they are. But if we only stop there, we limit. My marriage would be limited if I did not have them do the final step in the kingdom of God, and that is expression. They've expressed their gift in our lives. See, your final step is not just to, oh, look at you. You look good for a man that was homeless. And you got a pretty wife. She ain't here. But his wife, Miss Kara, such a beautiful lady. They just make a dynamic. But if you stop there, the enemy's not, I mean, he don't like it. But, I mean, are we really tearing down? Are we really making the kingdom of darkness shudder? I looked at you, and this is what I heard. The, the enemy's not mad at you. Where's Tina? The enemy's not mad at you because of what you do for people. He's mad at you because of what you do in people. It's not just that you feed them. It's not just that you get them. It's that you want them to see what God can do through them. The last step is expression. Nobody in this room, I'm going to say this with boldness, nobody in this room, you're never going to be satisfied till you're expressing to people what God has put on the inside of you. You're never going to be satisfied. How did so many people leave Jesus at the end? Because they only went so far and then they left because they never saw the value. They never saw that it is about territory. The kingdom of God is about you. I can't do it. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to close, I promise. A couple of weeks ago, Langston taught on the five, he started teaching on the five-fold ministry out of Ephesians. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Those gifts were given for you and for me. I have apostolic men, prophetic men, evangelistic men, teaching men, and pastoral men that are over me, that are not in this church, that are over me, that speak into my life, that have spoken to my life. Pastor Randy, who what used to be my pastor years ago, has spoken to my life. I mean, I've had so many people that speak into my life. It was a gift to me, and I am where I am today because of those men's gift. But I to a place to understand that the gifts were for me to get to a place where I now can impart and do something. Dear, listen to me. My job, I can't go to your job. I know you, you work in uh, Ashburn. I can't go to your job and do what you do. But bless God, I can equip you and he can equip you and we can help you. And here's the other thing. When you read the end of Ephesians, 
It says they all loved one another and blessed one another. It ought to get to a place where she don't even look to me no more. She looks to you and you help her and you help her and you help her because we all come together in unity. And now we're doing what God's called us to do and we're unstoppable because that's what God has created in that system. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that I've said it the best way I can say it. Father, what deficiencies I had, what I said wrong, what I shouldn't have said, what I should have said. Lord, I just give all that to you and I say cover it in the blood of Jesus. Grace, Father, that you cover it, that you fill in the blanks where it needs to be filled in. Satan, I rebuke you from twisting and discrepancy bringing a discrepancy to what's been said and what the Word of God has said. Lord, I'd ask you to help me do it better. Help us do it better. Help us see what you have long saw in each of our lives, and that is a people, a kingdom of priests and kings that go forth and establish your kingdom upon this earth. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. I was fixing to call you up. <laughs> I was like, no, I call Miss Geneva up too much. Why don't you just go ahead and share, and then you can dismiss us. couple of months like Miss April when we got to church she had tables set out and there were cards on the table and you were supposed to go to that table if that table fit who you were or who God called you to be so there was about seven of us in the servant table and when we got there I, I just thought of a need of a young man in my school who has bone cancer sixth grader he needed a ramp and so I said to that group I said you know what we can do that let's go serve that family so we did but not only did that young man get a ramp he got a stoop because when the people got there to build the ramp the stoop that went into the house it was no good so God provided all of that because of something that we saw a need to fulfill and let me tell you something I was hoping that they came to church this morning but sometimes he don't feel good he's already walking with a limp but he came to school the other day and I got the biggest hug and the sweetest sugar you don't tell me God is not real. You don't tell me that he don't live inside of you. You don't tell me that he don't tell you when to bless others. You can't tell me that. I know who he is. He is real. So to my group, <laughs> thank you. Thank you from the bottom of your hearts. I thank you. Now, Father God, we just ask right now that you just, you just go with us God and but before we leave this place God let's just hide all of those words that pastor has spoke on this morning in our hearts so that the enemy don't pluck them away from us 
We ask, oh God, that you be a blessing to the ones who stand in the need of a blessing. We ask that you meet them at their appointed need, God, and only you can do that, God. You see, we can fulfill it with earthly stuff, but God, you can fulfill it where it will never be empty again. Now, God, we worship you, we honor you, and we give you all praise for all things because you are the supreme being in our lives and on this earth. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.